Support for the Oral Gage podcast comes from Campfire Health, an insurance broker bringing together like-minded companies to form coverage coalitions for smaller employers. By pairing our community-based approach with a focus on wellness and charitable giving, your employees will be incentivized and empowered to make better health decisions and to save money. Find out more at campfirehealth.com. Okay, my name's Molly. Um, I'm from England. Hallelujah. God rest you very gentle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> This is the Earl Gage Podcast, where we talk to people from around the world about their music, stories, and country. This week, my friend Molly and I discuss the curious political states of Great Britain in recent years through the music of a couple English artists. Molly brought two songs titled To Have and Have Not by Billy Bragg and Europe is Lost by Kate Tempest. This episode does contain some explicit language. I study French, Spanish, and a bit of politics at Exeter Uni in the south of England. Um, I'm from the north of England. I'm from a town called Matlock in the Peak District, which is close to Sheffield, and it's very beautiful. So, I decided to bring two songs today. Um, one... Well, basically just to mark a period of time, I guess. The beginning of a time and the beginning of another time. So the beginning of one movement and the beginning of another movement. So I bought the, uh, a song by Billy Bragg, who, for those of you who don't know him, he's British, he's working class. I think he's from Essex, um, which is near London. And he just grew up in a normal working class household, um, and I think he just started writing songs about love, but also kind of entered into the political dimension when he got a bit older and a bit miffed with the Thatcher government. And for those who don't know anything about the Thatcher government, um, Margaret Thatcher was in power from, I think it was on the late 70s to the late 80s. I think it was like 10 years. I'm not an expert on the government at all. Please don't say I'm an expert. <laughs> Um, but yeah, his songs are basically just about young people getting a really, really shit deal from the Margaret Thatcher government. And yeah, he's, his lyrics are very kind of, they're very political, but he was part of a movement with a lot of other political singer-songwriters at the time who were commenting, things, commenting on things like Falklands War, the minor strikes in England, just general social deprivation, general social disparity between the classes, um, anti-nuclear, nuclear disarmament stuff. And he was part of a movement called Red Wedge, which was kind of linked to the left wing of Red Wedge. Red Wedge. It's nothing to do with communism <coughs> at all, but it's basically, it was just like a group of left wing singer-songwriters, I think, who else was in it? Paul Weller, who was in The Jam. He was a part of the Red Wedge. The Smiths had performed at some Red Wedge, Red Wedge gigs. Jimmy Somerville, 
performed it. He was part of the group as well. And it was basically just a group of left-wing kind of like-minded thinkers who were doing music at the time. And they got together, organized fundraisers, uh, and just general awareness of issues that the working class and minorities faced at the time. And unfortunately, Red Wedge did kind of just disband after Thatcher just was on a bit of a roll with all her cuts and general rubbish policies. What do you mean a bit of a role? So, so for example, the, the, one of the big things that kind of <coughs> turned like general, the general population against her was the Falklands War um, between us and the Argentinians. And it lasted like two and a half months and it was just completely and utterly pointless. It was just like colonial greed, but in the 1980s, which is great, very modern. Um, and that was like one big thing during her time in government about how she was just like land grabbing, but also she, the minor strikes were the biggest thing. That's like the one main thing that the Red Wedge kind of campaigned for. Was this the stuff in Wales? Yeah. So it happened all across the UK. Basically, I think it was 1984, um, and Margaret Thatcher's government announced that they were going to shut such a huge proportion of the UK's mining pits, which obviously meant that thousands and thousands of people were going to be out of jobs. And <coughs> mining is obviously a job, but for these communities, it was their, it was their like rock. It was their common denominator that drew everyone together. And it was basically what, how community kind of was celebrated. Everything was through the pits and how ev everyone's fathers and sons and brothers would work there. And it wasn't, it wasn't a great quality of life, but for these towns, it was kind of, it was their life. It was like the whole thing it was their social life. It was their economic um, security and it was their friendships. It was their family. And yeah, Margaret Thatcher's government basically announced that they were going to close a certain amount of pits um mining pits and um yeah people went on strike and it lasted a year um and in the process margaret thatcher and her government would well they cut off well basically the main thing was police brutality so you'd have a picket line outside outside the place of work where the miners and their families would go and protest and strike um, basically not allowing anyone over the line. And with them would also be the police forces that were sent to either stop them picketing or enforce violence, but on behalf of the government. Enforce violence. Yeah, so there's a lot of stories about people running for their lives. Um, there's a lot of stories about just general, just general kind of fisticuffs. It's a very British thing to say. Fisticuffs? Fisticuffs at like the picket line, yeah. But yeah, because <coughs> at the time, well, I don't know what it's like now, but the police were actively encouraged to use batons and kind of use brute force. There was police horses. Um, my parents actually went and helped at the picket lines as well, and they just said it was not good. Um, but it didn't happen just in Wales. It happened basically in all, like, every pit across the country. So Margaret Thatcher said, we're going to close a certain amount of pits, um, but it could have been any of them. So basically all the mining communities 
well, most of the mining communities got together and decided to strike, enforce strike action. But there was a bit of an issue. It's quite complicated, I'm not going to get into it. But basically the strike failed because they ran out of money, uh, they ran out of support from the rest of the unions because there wasn't really an official strike vote, a strike ballot. Um, but they ran out of money. Margaret Thatcher was found, and her government was found to cut power off, um, restrict resources to communities. Yeah. What was the motivation behind that? Why? Margaret Thatcher's motivation. Yeah, why, why cut power to communities? I guess just to force them to go back to work because they were running out of money. Mm. Running out of money, running out of food, motivation. Yeah. But so the red, back to Red Wedge and Billy Bragg and everything, it was just kind of a. I got a quote from one of the Gallagher brothers. I can't remember it. But basically, the Gallagher, I think it was Liam Gallagher or Nogga, it doesn't really make a difference anymore. Um, one of them was basically saying, like, at the time, there was a lot of rivalry between different groups. Like, there was lots of different genres of music and different genres of people and just different kind of young waves coming through. But everyone was united in the fight against Margaret Thatcher because she was just the common em enemy. Like, she was the enemy. It was known. Mm which is very rare in politics. Like you get, it's such a broad spectrum. It's so difficult for someone, well, such a large majority of the population to be like, yeah, we don't like her, but according to the Gallagher brother, <laughs> nobody did. But um, yeah, and it was kind of a youth movement at the time because she was just screwing a lot of people over. And Billy Bragg was one of the, one of the guys. And since then he's kind of, well, as a political woman in Britain, he seems to be the only, the only kind of one remaining with a strong voice who isn't scared to speak out. And he does a lot of stuff with the Labour Party, which He's is the left wing party. Today. Yeah, I've seen him. I saw him like two years ago. Oh, I saw him at Glastonbury. Oh, it was great. Oh, nearly cried, but it was good. He's great. I'm, oh, I met him. I met him. I met him. I met him in a in a food tent. And a food tent? Yeah, and it was raining. Well, like a catering tent, like. Right, right, right. Just like with. A tent made of food? <laughs> yeah, it was a tent just made of um, roast dinners and Yorkshire puddings. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, and gravy. Gravy was the cement You're that held serious. everything together. Oh, this is. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I met Billy Bragg in this tent in, in Glastonbury. And he looked so tired because it was raining really bad and it was so muddy. And I just went over to him and I was like, please, can I have a photo? I love you so much. And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I've got my eyes closed, which is uh, horrible. But I've still got a photo with Billy Bragg. Yeah. And he's just great. Um, well, I'm curious as to the Red Wedge because I've never heard of it. Mm -hmm. And you said there was these youth movements. Yeah. And all I really know about are the punks and the skinheads. Right, okay. Would they fall into, would they have been paralleling um, like Red Wedge? Um, I think Red Wedge, well, Red Wedge was kind of associated. I know punk and skinheads also had their own kind of like musical, musical following, but the Red Wedge was literally just like musicians. So it was musicians that got together with the same kind of like mind and politics and just moral compass. And they got together and would do gigs, they'd do fundraisers for the Labour Party, but also just to raise awareness of issues. And they'd all sing very political songs and they'd all kind of um, get together in solidarity with 
minorities and the working class against the, the conservative government at the time. Conservatives are the right-wing party right. in, well, the mainstream right-wing party in England. They're in power at the moment. And Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister at the time of the conservative party. Mm. And so there wouldn't have been like a style that went, you couldn't tell if someone was part of red, like red. I don't, if you just think of people, if you just think of groups like the Smiths, um, the Jam, Paul Weller, Billy Bragg, which you'll hear, um, they've all got like a very similar style, especially Paul Weller and Billy Bragg, like they're sing proper singer songwriters. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess so, but not so much as like, this is punk music or this is indie, but they all have the same kind of like similar style. I haven't heard of any females, which is a shame. I'm sure there would have been, but they don't seem to be at the helm. Mm -hmm but that's just music, I suppose, in the 80s. So it would have been more like um, like the folk revival in the US in like the 1960s. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, Billy Bragg actually takes a lot of songs from basically previous singer-songwriters in like the 1900s, like the Levelers, the Diggers. He's a lot of their songs. Um, he, sing, he does a rendition of the Red Flag. This song should be our parting hymn. So he was very involved. It wasn't oh, yeah. like a yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Yeah, just because when you, at least in my experience with folk singers and protest songs in the U.S., there's a disconnect between um, the protest song and the protest itself a lot mm -hmm. of the time, with exceptions like Pete Seeger, who like... Yeah, no, these people, these people, I mean, the Smiths maybe not, but Billy Bragg... I don't know what he was like then, but now he's at the centre of a lot of protest movements and just general youth movements as well. Mm. Um, at Glastonbury, he has his own section called Left Field, um, which he set up. I don't know when he set up, but basically it's just an area for kind of like left wing ideas and politics to kind of um, be celebrated, but also talked about. Um, there's talks like, there was a talk on the EU after Brexit happened, cry. Um, there was this talks on feminism and women's movements, there's talks on like, just capitalism work, that kind of thing. But there's also artists, there's also artists that kind of like, um, acknowledge the fight and the struggle of the left wing side of British politics at the moment. And a lot of them have politically aligned songs as well. I guess that, that like Red Wedge, that kind of thing, you see quite a lot of similar, a similar music taste in left, in left field. Are there kind of poser groups as well? Um, I've never seen a poser group. Oh, that's good. Well, maybe I have. Maybe they're really good at posing. Yeah. I hope I haven't seen a poser group. That'd be sad. There are obviously people who are a lot more involved in politics than others because... Um, obviously it's really difficult, well, 
for your own sake, for money's sake and for popularity's sake, it's quite dangerous to get involved in politics if you're a musician. Yeah. Especially if you're a new musician. Yeah. So there are a lot more kind of like established artists who might be a bit older and they're kind of just like, this is it. <laughs> we need to do something about this. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen a pose group. Hmm. I don't think... I don't think they'd be allowed in to Glastonbury. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Glastonbury is more left leaning. So do you feel like Billy Bragg has catalyzed movements of people like your age now? Um, oh, I'd like to say so. It's difficult because of the environment that I was brought up in. So he wasn't shoved down my throat, mum, dad, but he was like, it was present. Mm. So I wouldn't say he's popular culture because he's of a different generation. So I think the the young people that know about him are those who's, who their parents have kind of said, have you heard of this person? Or they might have seen him at a gig, but he's not kind of like big news. Whereas my second artist who i'm going to talk about later kate tempest my second song she's just like yeah young people know about her but billy bragg yeah i don't at the moment i'm not sure i kind of hope he is but i think he's just kind of like this omnipresent figure in left-wing politics slash the left-wing music scene the fact is you're closing in the army's pool i don't know what i'm going to do but i've come to see in the land of the free there's only a few At 16 you were top of your class All they taught you at school was how to be a good worker the system has failed, you don't fail yourself Just because you're better than me Doesn't mean I'm lazy Just because you're going forwards Doesn't mean I'm going backwards But it wasn't until this year really That I started realising like Obviously, England has problems because everywhere has problems. So many. But it wasn't until this year where I realized um, the depth and width and how they look. Because they're very different than other countries' problems, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like. Um, they're similar to the U.S.'s problems in some ways. But we have the same kind of society, so... Yeah, like... So we're in Spain right now. Spain has um, problem, like every country has problems with jobs. Right now, Spain's yeah, problem with jobs is, is very yeah crazy. Yeah, unemployment's a really big deal. But I feel like England, like those problems exist, but they're very unique. Like, and they create unique um, things in return. Mm-hmm you know like these movements that happened um the punks and you know red wedge 
and skinheads or whatever, I feel like they're so interesting because they come from a society of there is, you know, the poor, you know, lower middle class and lower class, but they also have the, um, like the resources to unite in like these different ways. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. Like a skinhead has like those Doc Martens, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's very unique. Um, especially at that time, because youth culture was just popping because it was the 80s, there was scandal, there was ama- there were amazing clubs to go to, like the youth culture in London and cities man- like Manchester um, was just completely nutty, just like through the roof. Uh, people would like dance till whatever time in the morning. Um, the music scene was great. It was really coming through in Britain. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like- it is unreal. Yeah. Um, like per capita, it makes yeah, that's true. no sense. Yeah, I guess, well, it it would be quite kind of nice to think that people were in, I think people d- would have been inspired by the kind of like disparity and hardship that they would have faced in the 80s, the mm. late 70s and 80s. Um, because I suppose that that's the kind of thing that makes good good music passion and like real problems because you don't want some 14 year old girl in a pretty dress singing about makeup and you want real gritty stuff which was like the beginning of the end for a lot of these (laughs) groups wasn't it yeah like the commercialization well yeah i think it was i think it was paul weller it might have been paul weller i think paul weller was interviewed paul weller is the lead singer of the jam and he was interviewed, um, I think fairly recently, and someone asked him, they were like, why don't you, why don't you do your political stuff anymore? Because he doesn't really, he doesn't talk much anymore, but, uh, ah, here we go. So, Paul Weller recently explained why he'd stopped writing political songs. Um, I would just write exactly the same things I wrote 30 odd years ago, which kind of ties in with what I want to say about Kate Tempest. So I'm just too excited to not say anything about Kate Tempest myself. When Molly told me she wanted to bring her music, the name didn't ring any bells. But when I heard her trumpet of a voice, my brain immediately transported to sitting in a car, listening to the radio on a muggy night in a driveway one night in Southern California. Tempest was being interviewed on NPR and began delivering spoken word. I started crying alone in the car, listening to what she was saying, and I had no idea why. Now I get it, and I hope you do too. So the reason why I chose the two songs is because they're so similar, and kind of drawing on what Paul Weller says, um, he's right, like the same things are just repeating themselves, but Kate Tempest just like talks about them in such great depth and yeah acknowledges the working class and the disparities and hardships that they have to face in everyday life but also where why why this has happened why capitalism sucks why our society is crumbling which is just like such a different level of depth than to what Billy Bragg drew on um and yeah, 
they're right. It's just repeating itself, which is sad. But I guess as a politics student, that's what happens in politics. There are waves and there are patterns and it's what happens. But I guess it's how you ride the waves. Mm. And she's riding them with a with a full fist in the air and screaming loud. The song you brought. Europe is lost. Europe is lost, America lost, London lost, still we are clamouring victory, all that is meaningless rules, we have learnt nothing from history, the people are dead in their lifetimes, dazed in the shine of the streets, but look how the traffic's still moving, systems too slick to stop working, business is good and there's bands every night in the pubs and there's two for one drinks in the clubs and we scrub up well, washed off the work and the stress and now all we want some excess, better yet a night to remember that we'll soon forget. All of the blood that was bled for these cities to grow All of the bodies that fell The roots that were dug from the earth so these games could be played I see it tonight in the stains on my hands The buildings are screaming I can't ask for help though, nobody knows me Hostile, worried, lonely We move in our packs and these are the rights we were born to Working and working so we can be all that we want And dancing the drudgery of But even the drugs have got boring But sex is still good when you get it To sleep, to dream, to keep the dream in reach To each a dream, don't weep, don't scream Just keep it in, keep sleeping in What am I gonna do to wake up? Europe is lost Seems I don't know, what do you think about it in the context of You know, this English woman singing about I think it just ties every kind of um, self-doubt or every kind of atrocity that any capitalist society has ever conducted, it ties everything together. So she literally goes like back to the root of colonialism, imperialism, how our cities were built, slavery, and just starts from the very bottom and so cleverly just draws it back to main day and how it's evolved into this kind of like capitalist society, um, especially in Britain, one which doesn't have a lot of empathy, um, which kind of has elites and also there's one kind of one way of living. And if you're not in that mainstream, that kind of stream of living, then you're a goner. I feel the cost of it pushing my body Like I push my hands into pockets And softly I walk and I see it This is all we deserve The wrongs of our past have resurfaced Despite all we did to vanquish the traces My very language is tainted With all that we stole to replace it With this I am quiet Feeling the onset of riot Riots are tiny, those systems are huge Traffic keeps moving Proving there's nothing to do Cause it's big business, baby And it's smile is hideous Top-down violence and structural viciousness Your kids are dope Stopping medical sedatives, but don't worry about that man. Worry about terrorists. The water levels rising, the water levels rising. The animals, the elephants, the polar bears are dying. Stop crying, start buying. But what about the oil spills? No one likes a party pooping, spoil sport. Massacres, massacres, massacres. New shoes, ghetto wise children murdered in broad daylight by those employed to protect them. Live porn stream to your preteens' bedroom. Glass ceiling, no headroom. Half a generation live beneath the red line. Oh, but it's happy hour on the high. Street Friday night at last, lads, my treat All went fine till that kid got glassed in the last bar Place went not. you can ask all who it was madness Low ran red pure clabber and about them immigrants I can't stand them, mostly I mind my own business They're 
you wonder why kids want to die for religion It goes work all your life for a pittance Maybe you'll make it to manager Pray for a raise, cross the bay's days off On your beach, babe, calendar The anarchists are desperate for something to smash Scandalous pictures of fashionable rappers In glamorous magazines Who's dating who? Political cash in an envelope Caught sniffing lines off a of prostitute's prosthetic tits Now it's back to the house of lords with slap wrists They have got kids who fuck their heads of dead pigs But him in the hoodie with the couple of splits Jail him, he's the criminal Jail him, he's the criminal She also touches on the refugee crisis Which is something that Billy Bragg would have touched on If he was born in this age And he has touched on it in some of his mod more modern songs But she goes like Hell, yeah She really does Yeah, it's funny you say that Because there was a minute or two there where I thought Man, I thought this conversation with Kate Tempest would go straight to immigration. Yeah. But it seems, I thought it would go straight to Brexit and immigration. Yeah, she did a song about Brexit directed to Theresa May at Glastonbury. And she hasn't released it yet because she's just on a mega album and it's not on it. But yeah, it was literally just like, I think it literally said like, fuck you or something. Fuck you, Theresa May or something. I can't remember. It's on, it'll be on YouTube. But... Mm she literally was just like directed it and because she Wait, started off as it a happened at during glastonbury well not that so she, oh, she did that this glastonbury mm. but the previous year that's when brexit happened i was at glastonbury um and it was so weird Glastonbury was such it was a good place to be because as soon as we kind of were like lying in our tents and it was my friend's birthday and we were just like kind of waking up from the night before hadn't even thought to check anything i'm sure it was like what it was like when you guys what, what are you talking about sorry what <laughs> i don't know i have no idea what you're talking about oh, um, um yeah trump when no oh yeah i was it's a totally different page <laughs> yeah no anyway okay and um, so we just kind of woke up and you just heard people just being like oh for fuck's sake shit bollocks wank ah just waking up just to this awful news and I got up and I was like oh no what's happening so I quickly walked over to left field and there was a talk going on um and I just sought solace I think it was a theme it was like a women's movement one and then there was one about the EU um and literally every question was like what are we gonna do and they were like we don't know <laughs> but it was like a nice we don't know it was a it was a calming soothing like we don't know but we're here um it was a weird place to be it was because you're like completely in the middle of nowhere with all these like-minded people everyone for the rest of the weekend was just like how can this happen like what what the hell like guys come on and i remember going home and it just being the strangest sensation like because it's we were there for a week so time. yeah and then to go home back to my parents and be like oh no <laughs> what's going on so yeah it was a good place to be but then obviously this year was like the anniversary the anniversary of brexit happy anniversary <laughs> the anniversary. <laughs> and it still hasn't happened no nothing's happening the only thing that's happened is um the movement so basically, EU nationals in Britain at the moment, they're safe. But that took a long time to happen. So people's families 
were kind of just like, what about my husband? What about my wife? They're from Germany, they're from France. What are they gonna do? And people got letters. My friend, um, her mum's German and her mum's lived here for like 20, 30 years in the UK. And um, my friend had a German passport, but she was born here, but she had to get citizenship. Born in England. Yeah, she was born in England, but she had a German passport. And her mum's German, but her dad's British. Um, and she had to go through all the citizenship stuff, go see lawyers, everything. And it's really expensive. So people either kind of seeking that kind of route, like a bureaucratic route, or just waiting to see what Theresa May would deal, deal them. And finally, they're pretty safe. But there was just so much kind of like, what are we going to do? No one clarified anything. No one, like, nobody said, like, you're fine or, like, we're going to try and make sure you're fine. It was just like, oh, it's negotiations. Or, like, we need to negotiate. It's part of business. It's part of, it's part of the political process. And it's like, well, these people aren't bargaining chips. You know, they're people. Um, and then the other thing that's happened is Ireland. So there was a massive thing with Ireland because... Um, obviously, Ireland and Northern Ireland have like had a bit of bit of history, right? Yeah, um, and at the moment there's there isn't a hard border, even though, well, basically because Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland are both in the EU still. Yeah. But there was a talk of there having to be a hard border because Ireland would be be in the EU, but Northern Ireland wouldn't. But that's not happening. They're going to keep the soft border. Yeah, it's good. Um, I don't know what would have happened. Yeah, that was, uh, Not good I times. was in Dublin when, because it was only, you know, last week, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, Gareth, who was on the last episode of this podcast, he... Hi, Gareth. Yeah. From the past. He can't, he can't uh, defend Ireland right now, but I'm sure he was very happy. Yeah. Um, as everyone is. Yeah. But it also, the other thing that's happened is... So we were told, well, the British public were told that we paid £350 million a week to be in the EU by the Leave campaign. That was their thing. They put it on the side of buses, posters, everything. Like, it was their thing. Um, and then literally as soon as Brexit happened... Um, these campaigners of the Leave campaign were asked like, oh, now we have all this money to put into the NHS, the National Health Service and schools and our future, our children. And they're like, we never said that. And they literally had like buses, like £350 million pounds a week extra for the NHS. And they're just like, nope. The £350 million pounds a week we send to the EU, which we will no longer send to the EU, can you guarantee that's going to go to the NHS? No, I can't, and I, and I would never have made that claim. 17 million people have voted for Leave. Yep. Based, I don't know how many people voted on the basis of that advert, but that was a huge part of the propaganda. You're now saying that's a mistake? We have a £10 billion a year, a £34 million a day featherbed that is going to be free money that we can spend on the NHS, on schools, or whatever it is. But you're not guaranteeing that that money 
as promised, will go well, to you the NHS. Un- you must understand, I was ostracised by the official Leave campaign and did my, and as I've always done, there, did my own thing. Do you think there are <laughs> other things that people will wake up this morning and find out aren't going to happen as a result of voting this way? Well, I tell you what, they will find out that we are back to being a normal country, uh, in charge of our own laws, and able to start making our own relationships with the rest of the world, maybe even re-engaging with the Commonwealth. But now what's happened is we've been told by the EU, rightfully so, that we have to pay money to leave. First it was like 15 billion, then it was 20, now it's 50 billion pounds. And everyone's just like, what? <laughs> when did that happen? 50 billion 50 pounds. billion pounds, yeah. I don't know why at all, but there must. it's called the divorce bill. That's what it's called. And I guess it's just like administrative procedures and also just like collateral for the other states but yeah there's so many videos of um, news reporters asking people in like brexit strongholds what do you think about the 50 billion they're like well gene i just don't know i don't know what's happening anymore do you no i don't know what's happening margaret yeah <laughs> just everyone's name is margaret <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's crazy it but i can't wild. wait for kate tempest to release that brexit one um i don't know how it is on the opposite end so english nationals who are outside of the country mm-hmm. do you know um i think it's pretty much the same as it, eu nationals are in the country mm. so i think the eu a lot quicker than the uk did said they'd be safe like we're not just going to kick them out we'll do it nicely but i think because now EU, EU nationals have been given security it's the same kind of deal for British nationals, expats in European countries, because we have we're everywhere, mm. especially in Spain. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's <laughs> the. Uh. <laughs> Of it all generation, the product of product placement and manipulation. Shoot them up brutal, duty of care. Come on, new shoes, beautiful hair. Bullshit, saccharine ballads and selfies and selfies and selfies. And here's me outside the palace of me. Construct yourself in psychosis. Meanwhile, the people were dead in their droves. And no, nobody noticed. Well, some of them noticed. You could tell by the emoji they posted. Sleep like a gloved hand covers our eyes. The lights are so nice and bright and less dream. But some of us are stuck like stone. Also, what I wanted to say about Europe is lost is it's just like young people get this rep for being completely apathetic. Um, but I've never, I've never seen that. I've seen people be like, I don't want to vote, but I've never seen someone be apathetic. I've seen people be apathetic to like the issue of refugees and asylum seekers. But right now, I think we're the complete opposite of apathetic. Um, And that's what Europe is lost about. She literally says, what are we gonna do to wake up? And she just completely pounds the idea that we can't be apathetic to whether it's just our own national politics or immigration, refugees, the wars that we've contributed to in the Middle East, everything is what we're gonna do to wake up. and I find that really interesting because at the moment I think we're woke. Yeah, I just said woke. <laughs> you have to stay woke. Because especially with the, because we had the snap election. So Theresa May, our current prime minister, called a snap election um, in May. Basically because she said 
we were basically just in tatters after Brexit. Like nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew what happened. Nobody trusted what anything anyone was ever going to do. And she basically called it to strengthen her. She said she called it to get a good mandate to negotiate and to take into Brexit. So basically for her to go to the EU and be like, I've got a really good support for my country. Here I am. And from a personal level, personal level, I think, well, everyone agrees that she called it because at the time, um, the Labour Party, the left-wing party in Britain, we weren't doing great. Like, uh, we were very divided, which is a shame. We were very divided. And Jeremy Corbyn, who's the lead, he's like our British Bernie Sanders. Jeremy Corbyn was like, was like Marmite. Do you know what Marmite is? Uh, is that the meat? If there's any British listeners, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Marmite is this like spread that people put um, put on bread and like toast. Like a can. It's like a canned meat it's spread, in, isn't no, it? No, it's not meat. It's made of yeast. It's yeast extract. Oh. And it's a really strong flavour. It's like brown. It looks like um treacle. Looks like what? Treacle. It's like that kind of consistency. Okay. Um, Marmite. But people either love it or hate it. It's like a thing. It's their like catchphrase. Marmite's catchphrase. Love it or hate it. And Jeremy Corbyn was like Marmite. People either loved him or hated him. Mm. He was kind of portrayed in the media as being this like bumbling old fool who wore suits and just wanted peace, man, and stop the bombing, that kind of thing. But he's, for his whole life, he's advocated social justice and he's just the bee's knees. He's great. But people, it took a while for people to realise that. But when Theresa May called this snap election, she was hoping that Labour, the Labour Party, Jeremy excuse me, Jeremy Corbyn's party would just completely and utterly just like crumble. That's what people expected. And I was campaigning and it was very negative. On the door, so like when you're actually door knocking, you speak to the odd person who'd be like, oh, I don't like Jeremy Corbyn. And you'd be like, why? They'd be like, oh, he's just, he's just not strong enough. And the conservatives had this slogan that they'd literally like ram down people's throats, strong and stable strong and stable government so it'd be on newspaper headlines it'd be on the actual news you'd knock on people's doors and you'd say why are you voting for the conservatives they'd be like strong and stable it was just like zombies it's like strong and stable strong and stable strong and stable and it was repeated so much that i honestly believe it came became some kind of like meme culture thing like strong and stable strong and stable which is kind of good because people took the piss out of it but yeah, so she called this snap election and Tories had this strong and stable thing. We had this, we love everyone thing and we want everyone to be happy. And we, our slogan was, um, for the many, not the few, which I think is pretty good. Um, and everyone expected us just to be completely wiped out. And we actually gained seats and they lost seats. And we gained seats in areas that had been Tory strongholds, uh, Conservative strongholds for years. Um, and it was incredible. I said a poor night. That's my kind of night out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was great. Um, and since then, like the youth turnout was the biggest it's ever ever been. Wow. And we were given like two months to do it. We did it. Oh, because it was a snap election. Yeah, and basically what happened is the Conservatives didn't have enough seats to form their own government. So that's how the British Parliament parliamentary system works you have to have enough seats so it's like 600 and something seats and you have to have a certain amount of number of seats um and they didn't have enough so they needed to ask the dup 
which is a party in Northern Ireland. Um, so they asked for the DUP's help to form the government and they agreed because they gave them lots of money. I think it was like 100 million or something to the DUP to form this government with them. 50 billion pounds. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> no, nothing's happened yet. I can laugh about That's it. That's true, yeah. So yeah, I think... It's really, it's kind of rubbish being, it's good being here because it's Spain, but I don't know what's going on. Like I can see news articles, but like I don't know what's going on like door to door or I don't know what the general vibe is. All I know is that Theresa May is making a fucking shambles of everything that she does at the moment. Like she's not doing good. She's losing whole, like the whole support of her cabinet because they're just, I mean Brexit obviously would be difficult to deal with for anyone. But she's just really, really mucking it up there. It would take me at least, like, you'd have to give me at least a, a, a whole day. <laughs> it's so funny, though, because whenever you see interviews between our guy, our Brexit secretary, David Davis. That's his name. <laughs> David Davis. Yeah, David the Davis. Secretary. And the French guy, like, Michel, Michel, um, Michelle fucking hates David Davis. <laughs> He just literally, he's been so sassy to everything that David Davis, David Davis like, yes, we're doing very well in the negotiating. We're doing so well. And Michelle's like, no, you're not. Like, babe, come on, get with it. You're, you really need to book up your ideas. So Michelle's the other side of the Yeah, Michelle's the European thing. guy. So okay, he's sort of the right. He's negotiating on behalf of Europe. Right. And okay. we're just there with David Davis. <laughs> no idea what he's doing. But then there's also the big argument with Brexit that technically we shouldn't stay in the single market. So the single market is the trade agreement between all the European countries. Right. And because we chose to leave the EU, we also chose to leave the single market. But for example, countries like Norway, they're still in the single market, but they're not in the EU. But they pay a lot of money to be in the single market. But there's a, the big argument in the moment, like... And they're Norway. <laughs> That's uh, that's real, you know. Yeah. You mean well? Look at you know Sweden, Norway. You're like, yeah, but well, that's Sweden, Norway. That's Sorry to fair. anyone who's from Norway. No, I mean it's not fair. It's like you know, I feel like you know everyone's first car is like a Tesla in Norway. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But yes, the big argument at the moment is how hard should we be negotiating for the single market because we're going to lose so much trade. Right. But they're like trying to foster relationships with Canada and the US and it's like the EU is so close. It's so close. Like physically, it makes so much sense for us to be in a trade agreement with people who are closer to us. But apparently not. The 51% the of the British public say no. We are lost, we are lost, we are lost And still nothing will stop, nothing pauses We have ambitions and friendships and courtships To think of divorces, to drink of the thought of The money, the money, the oil The planet is shaking and spoiled And life is a plaything, a garment to soil Toil the toil I can't see an ending at all Only the end How is this something to cherish When the tribesmen are dead in their deserts To make room for alien structures Develop, develop and kill what you find If it threatens you, no trace of love in the hunt for the bigger buck Here in the land where nobody gives a fuck We just need to keep going I want to repeat the last line of Kate Tempest's song mm. Sleep like a gloved hand covers 
our eyes. That's a reference to apathy in British society. Sleep like a gloved hand covers our eyes. My deep thanks to Molly Mae Smith, CJ LaQuesta, Nolan Waterfall, and Richard Blackshire, whose music you're hearing right now. Links to all the music you heard today can be found on rlgage.com. I'm Johnny Pickett. Thanks for listening. A pride stuff to wither here in a year. We changed from couple of the decade to the couple down the way that argues